Open your Bibles in the book of Isaiah, chapter 45. Isaiah 45. And the kids are dismissed. Isaiah 45. We continue with our theme, refocus. And I think that we need to refocus. So if you go to the book of Psalm, then Proverbs, then, uh, then you go to Songs of Solomon. Leave that. Then you see Isaiah right there. So I always go to Isaiah 45. And let's look at verse 5. See what the Lord has to say for us this morning. It says, Isaiah 45, verse 5. Let's look at verse 6 and 7. It says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I grow thee, that though thou hast not, not known me, I'm sorry, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the uh, and from the West, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create the darkness. I make peace, I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that we have one God, one creator, one sustainer. You are all of those. You are one God, Lord. May we open our hearts this morning and realize how powerful you really are and how much we need you. Lord, bless the message. Lord, give me the words to preach this morning. Teach me as I preach as well, Lord. And I pray if there's someone here and ever received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, may today they realize you know, or they open the doors of your heart and put you there and accept you as Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this message this morning, you may be seated. This message this morning, I'm sorry that my voice was no, not cooperating with me. I like to sing loud and louder as I can when I sing uh, as my passion. But this morning, my voice was not cooperating with me. But anyway, refocus. I mentioned this. This is our theme for the year. Uh, in the olden days, we used to, those of us who like cameras, <laughs> we uh, always play with that lens, make sure we, we were refocused on the picture to get a clear, nice picture. Today, our cell phones, of course, we don't need that. We just click and it comes out. You know, and we even play with the picture, make it the way we want. You know, and nice, you can spread the picture. Yeah. And out of a, like a silly picture, sometimes you can make something nice. Uh, you know, I do that all the time, you know. Uh, now I have about 3,000 pictures. I don't know what to do with them, but they're there and they keep growing. But anyway, <clears throat> but this morning, refocus. We need to refocus on what is important in our lives. And my question to you this morning is, is God important? If he is important to you and me, we need to refocus on God. The world is not refocused on God. Definitely is not. If you look at the condition of our world, the people that live in this world, they're not refocused on God. Because let me put it this way. If people were focused on God, they'd be in church this morning. Right. I mean, I understand. Don't get me wrong. Some of you might listen on, even here on social media, say, oh, you tell me, listen, you might have to work, you might be sick, you might have something in your life that prevents you from being at church. I understand that, and, uh, and God does too. I'm talking about people who are lost, people who could kill us about God as word as church, people who now, they, God, God is not in their mind, they're focused not on God at all, but on themselves. That's what I'm talking about. So this morning the title of the message is, Who is God? You ever ask that question to you? Who is God? So as we can contemplate this morning on the topic, of course, who is God? The question may, be, may come to your mind, who is God? What does God do? What does God look like? Somebody had asked this question, what does God look like? How important is God in our own lives or on your life? Is God relevant to you? 
Do we need God at all? Some even call him the old man upstairs. He's not the old man upstairs to me. He is my heavenly father. He is very close to me because I commute with him every day. Actually, I start my day with God. That's me every day. I'm not boasting here. I'm telling you the truth. Every day I start with God. I get up in the morning. The first thing I do, I thank him for another day because he just gave me a new day. Yeah, I thank him for the ability to get out of bed. Many people can't get out of bed. For the ability to be healthy enough to go to work. But I do open the pages of his word and I read his word. I start my day with God. And sometimes I take him all the way to work with me. I'd say, I don't know, sometimes every day I take him all the way to work with me. And you know why? And sometimes, in many days, because of your encouragement, you send me texts and songs. I sing your songs all day long. You put a song in my heart. That's me. So I'm not saying this to boast about. I'm saying this to encourage you. We can commute with God all day long. We can. It's where our hearts are. So how important is God to you this morning? My question comes to the mind, uh, to the, might come to the mind of people when such question comes, who is God? So how God does, uh, I'm sorry. Now, God doesn't need to prove himself to you of his existence. If you doubt God, if you doubt he exists or not, or those of you um, on social media might be an atheist, oh, does God really exist? Yes, he does. It doesn't matter if you believe in him or not, he does exist. He continually reveals himself. Listen to to you, you who are an atheist. He He continually reveals himself through his creation. Everyday creation reveals to us as human beings that God really exists. You know why? Because he created that all creation. That's his creation. That's his handiwork. So he reveals, he reveals himself through his creation, through his word, the Bible. Oh, that's old book was written by men. I'll stop with that silliness. You know what? It's God's word. It is God's word. It was written for you and me. So he reveals through his, uh, his creation, through his word, and through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, when Jesus walked on earth, it was God. At the same time, he was full man and full God. I know some people don't believe that. You know what? So don't believe it. I do. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. And yes, he did not come into existence when he was born of Mary. Jesus always was and always been. So... Now, God doesn't need to prove himself, like I said, of his existence. People's opinions may vary when it comes to God, his existence, and what he may be capable of doing. But God is God, and he doesn't act or function or exist based on your opinion and my opinion. He is God, and he always will be. The fact of God's existence, it is a real thing. And if we don't believe it, we just have to... Uh, uh, accepted, as if you have opinions on if you are uh, an opinionated person. But anyway, actually, to be honest with you, the Bible calls the atheists or those who don't believe the existence of God a very nice word. Fools. That's why we have April Fools. You know, that's the atheist holiday. You know, and actually, a, an atheist, uh, this isn't a, just an a story, right? An atheist went to the president and said, this is just a story. Said the president, Mr. President, that's not right that we 
don't have a holiday. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in it. We need to have a holiday. The president looks at him and said, we do have a holiday. We celebrate every year. But which one? April Fool's. <laughs> there you have it. So. <laughs> so the... <laughs> well, the Bible clearly... I'm sorry, Jill. Uh, the Bible clearly calls those... Uh, you don't believe in the existence of God, fools. Because you know what? If you look at your world, the creation of God and everything that we see around reveals a creator. So, the Bible never attempts to prove the existence of God. Rather, it declares his existence from its very beginning. So, the Bible reveals the nature and character of God's word. Actually, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. So before time, God was already there. So to start with the good summary definition of God in the supreme, uh, supreme being, the creator and rule of all things, he is self-existent, one who is perfect in power, goodness, and wisdom. So where are some of God, uh, here are some of God's characteristics I'm going to reveal to you that the Bible talks about. Number one. God is just, Acts chapter 17, verse 31. God is a loving God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. God is truthful. God is holy, John 1, 1 and 5. God shows compassion, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Merciful, Romans 9, 15. God is a God of grace, Romans 5, 17. God, uh, I'm sorry, God judges sin, Psalm 5, 5. But also God forgives. Psalm 130, verse 4. So living in a society on which God have have become foreign or irrelevant, powerless, unimportant in the minds of many people, we must stand and proclaim His truth. So in this message this morning, let's look at the subject, who is God? So, who is God? Number one, you ready? He is our creator. Look what it says in Psalm 104, verse 1, if you go there. Blessed the Lord of my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who cover themselves with light and with a garment, who strengthen out the heavens like a curtain. So Psalm 104 is a great doctrinal psalm. The entire psalm revolves around and supports the doctrine that God is the creator and sustainer of all things. The very key, in my opinion, is verse 24. Look what it says. O Lord, how manifold is thy works. Which works? Creation. In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. God is the creator of all. Listen, folks, man did not create himself. We didn't come from a blob somewhere or from some cell somewhere. By the way, matter was created by God. You know, I'll give you that thing. I learned this joke from Brother McKeever <laughs> many years ago. It was an, uh, a scientist that said to God, I can create. He was talking to God. He said to God, this is just a joke, okay? He said to God, I can create anything you create. You tell me what to create. Then God says, okay, see what you can create. And he goes, I can get this piece of dirt and do something out of this piece of dirt. And God says, put it down. 
He said, why? It's my dirt. Get your own. It's God's dirt. He created. So we, God gave us the wisdom and intelligence to do many things with what he has given to us. But ultimately, where the rocks came from, where the oxygen came from, where water came from, where everything that we see came from, God. See, many times we ask what the proof of God's existence is. To the person whose eyes are open, to the magnificent, I'm sorry, and beautiful world around us is a great evidence and an overwhelming evidence of his creation. Some people deny there is a creator. Others can see the fact that there is a creator, but deny the fact that God daily sustains all things in, natural, in the natural world. So the Bible begins with the very bold statement. In the beginning, God. Such a statement throws away any religion. Okay, on the face of the earth, by, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back a little bit. The, begin, uh, the Bible begins with a very bold statement, in the beginning, God. So such a statement throws away any religion on the face of the earth made by the hands of man. The Bible begins with God and ends with God. History is about God, not about people, even though we keep all these records. When time will be no more, those records will be gone. So the Bible from cover to cover is about God, His power, His, his uh, to create, His character, His love, His mercy, His compassion, His plan to redemption for mankind and to the doom of Satan and those, listen to this, and those who continually reject Him. Nobody goes to hell and can blame God for it. They can blame themselves. Everything started with God and will end with God. That is, the, he is the author in a, in, a very purpose, in a very purpose of history. He is the one who will write the last page of history and will close the book when time be no more. You know, somebody said to me yesterday, our world is getting more and more wicked. Actually, I am the one who said that. And the other person said to me, we live in the last days. Things are getting worse. You know what? It is true. It is true. Look all the shameless way on which people live today. And what we, was done behind the scenes, nobody could see it, is in full display. And there's no shame anymore. And they don't even call it sin anymore. They don't care. They purposely expose it. There's no shame. People are putting a fist at God and say, look what I can do. That rainbow with many colors, a fist at God, believe me. Because it, it, that reminds us, God reminding us with that rainbow, that he would never flood the earth again. That was his promises. They're putting a fist at God and say, look what I can do. What's your promise? So, you see, 32 times in, the, in this chapter... I'll go back again right here. In Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, refers to the dateless past when God brought the entire universe into existence out of nothing. We see this in uh, uh, Psalm 33, uh, 6, and also Romans uh, 4, 17, Hebrews 1, 3. So you see, 32 times in this chapter, the creative God is called Elohim. A Hebrew word that emphasizes majesty and power. Elohim is a plural 
non that is that that is co uh, uh, I mean will, will give us us as a picture of also with a uh, with connection with a singular verb and a jet adjective so I'm sorry so Elohim describes to us the Trinity was involved in the process of creation. That means that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all involved in creation. And people say, you folks worship three gods. No, we worship one God. Right. One God. God is the creator. Uh, is the, uh, creation is attribute to the Father. Creation is attribute to the Son. And creation is attribute to the Holy Spirit. And uh, well, I can give you the verse for that. So Elohim be, uh, reveals the, His power by creating everything, merely speaking the word, and everything came to be. So, folks, matter is not eternal. It began with God. This whole universe began with God. And people say, I don't believe that. All right, you have an, your opinion. You know what? I do believe that. Because, you know what? The God that revealed that is the God that came out of the grave and is alive forevermore. Look what it says in Romans 1.24. The invisible things of him from the beginning of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. So those people who deny the existence of God, who reject the gift of a son, who continually mock and ridicule the name of God continually, those people, the Bible says, will die without an excuse. God is not going to change his ways because people have their own opinions about him. So according to the Bible, anyone who denies the existence of God, listen to this, is a fool. It's not my words, Bible words. Why then are so many people, including some Christians, willing to accept this evolutionary scientific thing? You believe in that, that some, there are some Christians out there, or they call themselves Christians, they believe in evolution? Evolution does not fit in the Bible. Never will. Never will. So it's foolish to believe that and claim to be a Christian. So Proverbs 1.7 says, tells us, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. But, here you go, goes the word again, But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So number one we see, um, in our first point, He is our creator. Number two, he is our sustainer. Who is God? He's our creator. Definitely he's our creator. But God didn't leave us alone. Secondly, he is our sustainer. God is a big God, folks. He is very big. Bigger than you and me. Look what it says in Psalm 104, verse 1. Bless the Lord of my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. He, say, he says right here, he is Great. That's a powerful word. So he created entire galaxies with one sweeping motion of his hands. He spoke the word it came to be. And let me tell you, and as we would draw a curtain across a window, God just went like that and it came to be. What a great, powerful God. He's an awesome God. So he sustains all. Listen, folks. We have so many people in our world, guys with great brains... We have those kind of people, many strong men, many strong people, people very rich. But I tell you what, we cannot control anything of our galaxy or this planet. This planet can go out of orbit any time, any second, and nobody can do nothing about it. That's the reality. Why 
Our world keeps going the same way that we, because God is sustaining it. It will be, that's why the Bible says those who deny that, they are fools. Because if you begin to think and rationalize and think straight, that's why God says, uh, if you believe the, uh, uh, the, in Proverbs 1 7, that uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Because we begin to understand who He is, and knowledge comes to our mind. So, letter A, the continual of the worlds. This is where it really, uh, gets really awesome here. In the beginning, verses of this chapter of Psalms shows uh, how, how God sustains with everything with His power in Him there, and He continues to do not us, He does. So, number one, the journey of water. The journey of what he said, he sent sent the springs into the valleys. Actually, go to that psalm right there so we can see those things. If you go there to that. uh, Look what it says in Psalm 1, verse 104, verse 6. Thou covers it with the deep and with his garments. The water stood above the mountains. Look at verse 104. It says, And thy rebuke they fled at the voice of thy thunder as had hasted away. Verse 108. Thou go up to thy mountains. They go up by the valleys into the places which thou hast founded them. So, so we see all these things that the psalmist is describing here. So we see the journey of the waters that they send the springs of, uh, into the valleys. Verse 10, God sent the water running down from the mountains and, and, and rivers and streams all the way to the valley. So, uh, so we can, it can water the ground. So we can have water to drink. So God created everything with great knowledge. Number two. The falling of the rain, the water, the hills, and its chambers. Look at the cycle of water. You ever thought of that? Evaporation takes place. The water goes to the clouds. Whatever that happened up there, because I'm not a scientist, it comes down in the form of rain or snow, comes back to the ground. Wonderful. Who does that? Is it by accident? I don't think so. The growing of grass and herds, verse 14. He causes the grass to grow. God is the one who makes the grass grow. Think of it. Think about it. No grass for the, for the cows. We have no beef, no milk. And, 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 and how are we going to? No help for plow? What happened? We have no herds. Everything would die. God sustains his own creation. You see that? In God good? Number four, the planting of trees. The trees which he had planted, verse 16. God is the one who planted the trees. What a wise God. We say, whoa, 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 whoa. We cut the trees down and we plant trees. Listen. Did you ever see an abandoned parking lot? Did you ever see an abandoned house? Nobody touches for several years. What happened to that? Everything starts growing out of it. It breaks through cement and rocks and everything. You know what? We say, what's nature? Who controls nature? I don't believe in Mother Nature. I believe in Father God. That's what I believe. And yes, we do plant trees. We do plant trees. But God plants more than we can. The changing of seasons. Verse 19, he appointed the moon for seasons. What a remarkable thing. That we have spring, summer, fall, winter. We don't create those seasons. God does. And he continually doing the same thing. God is faithful. He sustains all, and he continually. So if you don't like summer, wait for the fall. If you don't like the fall, hey, wait for the winter. If you don't like the winter, spring is coming. I mean, people go, this winter is so hot, I can't wait for the spring. Spring coming, and oh, I don't like spring, it's too much allergies. I want summer. 
And some, oh, I don't like heat. I want to, you know, you know. We complain about everything, and God faithfully just keeps sending it, keeps sending. I'll say like this take one day at the time and enjoy it. Tomorrow is a holiday for me. I will enjoy the day. <laughs> so the changing of the season, what a remarkable conscience that, that for thousands of years we have been able to depend upon the consistency of seasons. The coming of night, verse 20. God, has, God uh, make it darkness that, uh, and, and it is night. So the, most people have probably never thought about this, but even the coming night is indicating of God. God keeps the earth spending in a consistent, consistent rate, of course, and of course it, it, rotate, it rotates, and God is continually moving that. So we have the morning, we have the night. You know, that's why we have beautiful sunrises and beautiful sunsets. And you know what? I hope when you see that, you say, praise the Lord. Exactly. The feeding of the land animals, verse 21. The, li the young lions seek their meat from God, verse 21. If you watch it, nature, if you watch it, you could see the way God takes care of his creation. God takes care of it. We worry too much. God takes care of his creation. I was uh, in a zoo uh, in Florida, and they said, in a while, this animal lives this long. In, in, in captivity, the animal lives this long. You know what? Let the animal. I understand. I understand what the concept, what they're saying. But whatever the, the years the animal lives, God takes care of them. God takes care of them. He feeds his own creation. He feeds that. So we see the, uh, the animal and number eight, the feeding of sea creatures. Look what it says. Thou God, open thy hand. They, uh, they are filled with good. So even the sea creatures, God just opened his hand and feed them. This is an example of, of God in an, as in how awesome and powerful he is. He not only created everything. By the way, did you ever went to the ocean and actually, I don't know, if you never, probably never scuba dive. What about the other way? Just get a little you know, lens and just go to a place where reefs are. Do you want to see God's handiwork of creation? I had a privilege growing in the tropics to go to those, you know, you know, go to the stores, you see the aquariums, you see all these little fishes. You go to the, those reefs and you see thousands of them. And it's beautiful and you just go, wow, God is, is a powerful God. And you know what? He sustains them all. We don't think about it. So if you go fishing, you just want to catch fish. Oh, God's taking care of them. See, He feeds the sea creatures. And there are creatures in the deep, deep sea that we've probably never seen. But they're there. God put them there. Every star, every planet, every autumn, every molecule, uh, molecule I'm sorry, and every moment is completely and totally dependent on Jesus Christ. If Christ should cease to sustain the creation, it would stop to exist. Every breath you take in this world, it depends on our sustaining God. Everything that we do depends on him. He is sustaining his world, his creation. Number three, he is our salvation. So he is our creation, our creator. He is our sustaining, but he also is our salvation. John chapter 2, verse 9, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will, I will pay that, that uh, uh, I'm sorry, that, uh, that 
that I have owned. Salvation is of the Lord. That's actually, yeah, John. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 29, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is this strength in time of trouble. So salvation started with God because he is the one that, that knew even before the foundation of the world. He knew that Adam and Eve will sin against him, and he knew that he needed, he need, they needed a Savior. So let A, Jesus is our great treasure. People don't understand the treasure that is in Jesus. You know, if you ever watch Aladdin, this is a diamond in the rock. You know, I don't know if you watch that. I don't promote movies here, but I tell you what. If they talk about the diamond and the rock, Jesus is a diamond and a rock. He is our great rock. You know what? He created, He sustains. You live in this world, you are a sinful creature. He said, I will provide you salvation as well. Amen. So Jesus is our great treasure. Those who find Jesus find a diamond and a rock, so to speak. I tell you what, I, didn't never, I never met a Christian who said, I wish I never got saved. Never met one. They will tell you, I'm struggling. Or, you know, I'm not going to write path. And sometimes they ask you to pray for them, whatever. But I never met one that said, I wish I never received Jesus as my son. They're all grateful. Amen. They found a diamond in the rock. Jesus is that great diamond. He's our great. If you are lost here this morning, those of you on social media, those one here at church, if you find Jesus and accept as your personal Savior, you find a treasure greater than anything you can have in this world. I'll tell you why. You can have the greatest gift in this world. It will get old. Buy a new car tomorrow. <sniffs> smells good. Especially if it's a leather seat car. That leather seat will smell for a while. But give them about a couple of years. Oh, these seats are too hot when it's summer. Oh, these seats are too cold when it's winter. That's why now they have the heaters, you know, and they have the, the cools in the cars. And my mother-in-law looking at me because that's what she got. <laughs> she goes, I can't stand the heat. i got to put the AC on that thing. But, anyway, but eventually it stops smelling. It gets old. Then you want to get rid of it. You know what? Not salvation. Amen. When you find it, you treasure it. And I know how you treasure it. You sing. You praise. You go to church. You read your Bible. You are treasuring what you got. And it's a treasure that goes for the rest of your days. Then we come to church discouraged, we leave encouraged. Then we wake up in the morning, the, it seems like it's a cloudy day before you know the sun is, uh, is smiling at you, the birds are singing for you, and you're singing and praising God. Why? Because you have found a treasure. You have found Jesus. Let it be, Jesus is the author of our salvation. Look, it says in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author. Listen, it's no one else, folks. You cannot save you. No one else can save you but Jesus. Amen. That's why he's a great treasure. He is the only one. You might reject it for the rest of your days. You can do that if you want to. But ultimately, in the end, you will lose. You want to go to heaven? You need Jesus. Don't come to me and tell me that I'm a good person. I can go to heaven because I'm a good person. Look what Jesus said in uh, John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man, no man cometh to the Father but by me. There's no other God. There's no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. 
He is the only one. So, He is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is our salvation. That's who God is. Number four, He is our hope. Hope is something that lives deep inside the human heart. Hope is the engine that keeps on going. We wait in hope. We hope to have that certain thing that we have been waiting for so long. We hope for a sunny day tomorrow. We hope that we will be healthy tomorrow. Even our, our everyday life, we treasure even those uh, hopeful moments to come to pass. Uh, in hope we wait. We hope we trust. We hope, in hope we anticipate. We even say to each other, don't lose hope. We place our hope on things, people, and yes, we place it on God as well. Let's hope on God because He is our hope. Let me give you an example. Do you remember, if those of you, I know most of you don't like sports, just me. <laughs> That's why I keep telling, I keep telling uh, uh, Lucy, you, get, you need to get your son Fabio over here because he loves sports and I, like, I would love to torment him with sports. You know, none of, <laughs> none of you like sports. I remember the early days of the Patriots. They were just a bad, stinky team. They were just bad. They would just have like, went two games for the season, and it was like brutal. But every season, there was hope. When they started a new season, it was a hopeful thing. They would be good that season. It would last for about a couple of games. But, you know, at least there was some hope. Well, when you were a Christian and you were a child of God, you begin to know, understand that He is your creator, He is your sustainer, He is your salvation, but He is your hope. Hope for every day. Look what it says. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me, who paid the price of all my sin at Calvary for me. He died for me. He lives an everlasting life and light. He freely gives no merit of my own. His anger to suppress. My only hope is found in Jesus' righteousness. You see that? Great song. Amen. Don't tell me that the hymns are not good. They're beautiful songs. You see, our hope is in what? Our great creator, our great God. So because, you know what? We can live, we can hope, we can go with everyday life because we hope in Him. I'm discouraged, but I hope in the Lord. I'm hurt, but I hope in the Lord. I'm not healthy, but my hope is in the Lord. You see that? And we want to share this hope with others. You need that hope. Yesterday, I wanted to give that hope to my own mother. I tried. Even my sister, who's not saved, wanted to give her that hope. She said to my mom, Mom, don't you want to go where Daddy is? And I look at her and say, Don't you want to go where he is too? Oh, my, like she was witness a lost person trying to tell. Because when we hope, even though life hurts sometimes, our pains are not as bad as the one that have no hope at all. You know, we have great hope in the Lord. As Christians, our joy, our hope must be anchored in our great God. Let me go to my next point. He is our future. So he's our creator. He's our sustainer. He's our salvation. He's our hope. But he's also our future. Don't walk to tomorrow without God. 
Take them with you. And if you have to wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. If you see too many roads and you know where to go, stand there, wait until He speaks to you. Yeah. I was telling the kids this morning, I am been years since I want to buy my truck. Passive being selfish. No, I just want a truck. But every time I pray for a truck, the Lord puts something else in my heart. Obviously, He probably doesn't want me to have one. But I'm okay. And right now I said, I'm going to buy a truck by Christmas. You know, it seems like it's not going to happen again. Maybe, maybe, I didn't put a year there. Maybe it's like 10 years from now, you know. But anyway, he's our hope. You know, whatever he wants, I'm okay with it. So this world is <laughs> keeps on marching aimlessly towards a great destruction. They are blind to the truth and live completely in darkness. We went golfing Friday with my kids. We went to a private golf club. I tell you what, one day I'm going to write a book about golf and golf courses. And I have an experience. Every time I go to a golf course, I see the most rude, unkind, mean people in golf courses. It's supposed to be a place to relax. It's not relaxing. It's not relaxing. It's like my son even said, I'm just about to give up on playing golf. I feel like every time I come here, somebody is harassing us. And I felt the same way. But you know one thing that really caught my heart? Beer bottles everywhere. Wow. Everywhere in that golf course. <laughs> it was sad. It was very sad. So our hope is our future. Number A, uh, letter A, is our abundant life. Look what it says in John 10, 10. I come that they might have life, they might have it more abundantly. Aren't you glad you're saved? Amen. You remember where you were, the way you were thinking before God say, you got saved? Right. You remember that? I'll tell you what. I'll be honest with you. Before I got saved, I could care less about people. That was all about me. God gave me a heart for people. That was not me. It was God working in me. Right. But He comes to give you life to make, you know, you look at life differently. You begin to appreciate those, the loved ones around you, the friends around you. You begin to appreciate the world you live in. You even look at the animals, and you look at them, and you go, oh, man, look how cute it is. You know, people are afraid of insects. I think they're, they're marvelous. <laughs> I just look at them, and I'm like, oh, look at that. I had a little ant this morning at my desk, a sugar ant, and I was in mine going, she was going back and forth. <laughs> I was just watching that little thing going back and forth. Hey, it's God's creation anyway. But anyway, so... Folks, life is a great gift from God. But being recipients of an abounded life is even greater. Before we met Jesus, we were living aimlessly in this world. We were just existing and trying to survive. Listen, folks, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up with the Bible next to me. I did not. I grew up with a dad that what he had is, is uh, alcohol to offer us. I was forced to drink alcohol at age five years old. I was demanded to drink it, me and my sisters, because it was a cultural thing. So every day we live with aimlessly, but when I met Jesus, what a difference. What a difference that God does when he enters into your heart. Let it be. He's our blessed hope. Go to Titus chapter 2, verse 13. I want you to see that. He's our blessed hope. He's our abounded life, of course, but he's our blessed hope. Why is it blue? Look, look what it says. Looking. I hope you are looking. For that blessed hope. 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, He is not only our hope, He is our blessed hope. So we look up to Him and say, Lord, is that today? Is that tomorrow? Just come, Lord Jesus, because I'm ready to uh, go home. We look forward to the future with a smile and great expectations because our blessed hope is coming. It's not like, will He come? Maybe He's going to come. No, 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 no. He is coming. He is coming again. He is. It's not like, oh, maybe. Like, oh, you got so You said you got How long, how long is that? 2,000 years? I don't care if it's 5,000 years. He will come as He promised. Now, biblical prophecy plays two roles. It foretells the future and explains what is the positive or negative results of the future events uh, of future event, events will be, uh, will be. Prophecy may announce even that, uh, ev- uh, may announce events that bring joy and pleasure or, or fear and, uh, for some people. So when prophecy is ignored, it is usually because the hearers don't like what they hear for one reason or another. I'll tell you what, it is fascinating when you read books like Daniel and Ezekiel and, and Revelation and about what God's going to do in the future. My future is secure. Because I am a child of the king, and he wanted to come again, I'm going home, and forever I will be with him. That is great hope. He is our sealed promise. Look what it says there in John chapter 10, verse 27. We have a great promise. No, you do not lose your salvation. It says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's Jesus' promise. Look at verse 29. And my, my Father, which gives them me, is greater than all, and no one is able to plug them out of my Father's hand. Our future is secure. Now, there's a promise in this verse made by God the Father. The promise of the Son, Jesus, number one, and the promise of the Father, number two. So I tell you, so what we see here today, who is God? I conclude with this. He's our Creator. Point blank. If somebody ever asked you, who is God? He is my creator. He is your creator. He's the creator of all. Not only is this, he's my sustainer. He's sustaining everything yours so I can live. He's my salvation. In him I have salvation. I can sing and praise him. I can rejoice. Not only that, he's my hope. You see, we live in a world full of hopeless people. He is my hope. In the most discouraged moments of life, He is my hope. He is my future. You see that? Don't step in the future without Jesus. Who's God? is all those things. I can go on. You can give me many other things I can put here. But this is what God gave me this morning for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you are our creator, our sustainer, our salvation, our hope, our future. Lord, you are a great God. And Lord, and we praise your name this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the great salvation. I pray if there's someone here this morning never received Jesus as personal Savior, may today they call upon you. May they understand who you are and what you can be for them. In Jesus' name I pray.